Today, uh, we're, we're in the week number three. Week one, Ed White talked about the seven mountains of influence and how God wants to raise up people in different uh, sectors of society, from politics to entertainment to sports to government to uh, education. And God wants to raise up people to make a difference. You know, we don't want to hide in the church. We want to raise up people and send them out. We want to raise up godly politicians in the church. We want to raise up godly businessmen, doctors, scientists. Uh, educators, entertainers, sports stars, and athletes, raise them up in the church and send them out with influence. Week two, uh, last week we talked about kind of the, 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 the sphere of influence that each of us have in our life, the 12 people that are kind of uh, around us. And I got a, uh, you know, two weeks ago I got the card about the Holy Genes. Last week I got a card that says it's sphere not spear i can't say it right i don't know i got some you know probably you know i kept saying spear last week it's not a spear it's a sphere of influence and so the sphere of influence that we all have the 12 people we're in kind of relationship with and, and really one of the greatest ways to reach those people is through small groups small groups as a church are how we practically love people in our church family if you're not in a small group at coastline church we want to love you and we have a heart to love you but we practically and physically really can't do all that much for you if you're not in a small group. For example, if you get put in the hospital, we might not find out about it. It may take weeks to find out about it, but if you're a part of a healthy small group and something happens in your life, you've got a body of believers that will be there, that will care for you, that will visit you in the hospital, bring dinner to your family, and really practically care for you as the body of Christ was intended to be. Today, I want to break it down even smaller. I want to take it down to the level of you and one other person. The one-on-one impact God has created for you. God intends you to have in the people around you. How do you pick one of the 12 in your world of influence or somebody else that you come in contact with and really move them through the path of encountering their life one-on-one and bringing them to the place where they become a follower of Jesus Christ? You know, Jesus said, if you want to follow me, I'm going to turn you into something. I want you to think about that for a minute. Many of us know what he's talking about because he's because we've read the story. But what would you assume if Jesus Christ, the living God, said, listen, if you want to follow me, if you're going to follow me, I'm going to make you into something. I'm going to turn you into this this thing. What would you assume that thing, that something was that, that Jesus Christ wants to turn you into? You know, many people would assume, well, if I would follow Jesus, he'd probably want to make me more spiritual. You know, that, that, that's probably what he wants to do is make me more spiritual or make me more loving. Or maybe he wants to make me a better husband or, or, or a better father. Or just, you know, kind of, kind of more holy. That's, that's what he wants to do in my life is make me more holy. But the truth is when you read the Bible, Mark chapter 1 verse 17, Jesus said, If you follow me, what I want to turn you into, what I want to make you become is a fisher of men. He wants you to fish for people, fish for men, fish for women. Mark 1, 17, Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And what I want to talk about today is how you can have an impact in one other person. Because this is our mandate. This is our calling. This is what it means to be a Christ follower. Christ followers fish. 
If you want to follow Christ, you have to learn how to fish. And I know evangelism can be a scary topic. You know, when we talk about evangelism and personal evangelism, we have a lot of fears. We have a lot of misconceptions. We have a lot of, there's a lot of myths about what that looks like and what that means. And one of the things I want to do today is just help kind of, kind of filter through all of these fears and misconceptions and myths about what evangelism is. Because the truth is no one really wants to come to a Sunday morning service and hear about evangelism. You know, I mean, the truth is people say, well, we'll, we'll teach something else to us. Give, give us something, you know, different. M- make us better people. Help us have more faith or, or learn how to pray more. Don't, don't teach me about evangelism. That's, that's not for Sunday morning. That's for another time during the week. But the truth is, this is the message of the Bible. If you want to follow Jesus Christ, you have to learn how to fish for men and fish for women. And the gospel begins with this. The gospel ends with this. Mark 16. We just read Mark 1. Now look at Mark 16, verse 15. Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. Your mission as a follower of Jesus Christ. He said, Jesus said this to his followers. Are you following Christ? If you are a follower of Christ, your mission is to go everywhere and tell everyone the good news about what he's done for them and and, and on their behalf. So let's deal with some of these myths, these fears, these misconceptions about evangelists. When you hear the word evangelist, evangelical, what are adjectives that come to your mind when you hear this word evangelist? I know for me growing up in the South, I think of a guy with white shoes, yell, white shoes yelling at people under a tent. I mean, that's what an evangelist was to me. I mean, you go to these tent meetings in the South and they got these white shoes and they're sweating and they're yelling at people and there's an organ going in the background. That's what an evangelist was to me. Some people, when they hear the word evangelist, they think of a guy standing on a street corner with a yellow sign that says repent or burn in hell with a megaphone yelling at people as they walk by. I mean, that's that's the idea some people get of evangelists. Some people think, you know, evangelists are these obnoxious people on television trying to get everyone's money. That's their idea of evangelist. And as a result, the subject of evangelism has become very scary in the church because we've got all these warped ideas of what it truly means to be an evangelist. Now what I want you to do is I want you to think about the person in your life that was most responsible for bringing you to Christ. Who is the person most responsible in your life to bring you to Jesus Christ? What are some adjectives that you would use to describe them? See, we would say probably they were very patient with me. You know, I was a lot of work. They were patient. They were loving. They were gentle. They were kind. They really walked with me through some hard times in my life. That's what an evangelist is. Those are the adjectives that describe an event. We got to get rid of this idea that evangelists are these spooky, scary, weird, crazy, fanatic people. And we got to get this idea that evangelists are just simply everyday people who are kind, patient, loving, that want to help others take the next step in their spiritual journey. Acts 1.8 says it like this. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Telling people everyone what God is inviting you to do on his behalf is be a witness. That's all you're invited to do. God has not invited you to be a prosecuting attorney. 
That's not your job. You're not there to try to convince people. God's not invited you to be a defense attorney. You don't need to defend the gospel. Your job is not to defend the gospel. He can do it on his own. You, God's not invited you to be a judge and, and, and you know, judge everyone. All God has invited you to do is be a witness. And one of the things we said last week is the job of a witness is just to tell their side of the story. That's all God has invited you to do is tell people your side of the story. And when you do this, you'll find out the world is actually interested. The world wants to know about it. A Gallup poll that was done recently said that in the United States this morning, there are 65 million people in the United States who will not attend church today. 65 million people who will not be in church this morning in the United States. And the interesting fact was 34 million of them said that they would attend church if somebody simply invited them. Think about that. 34 million people, according to the Gallup poll, said they would be in church today if somebody simply loved them enough to give them an invitation. Let me ask you a question. Do any of those 34 million work with you? Do any of those 34 million live as your neighbors? See, here's the reason. One of the things we talk about in our 101 class on evangelism is the odds that somebody goes to church with you go way up if they're invited. (laughs) The odds that they come to church with you go way down when they're not. I mean, it's just the reality. If you don't invite them to church, the odds that they're going to come with you go way, way down. It's just simple math. 34 million people said they would go to church if somebody would just invite them. In the same uh, study, the Gallup poll said out of all the topics that teenagers, uh, youth are talking about today, drugs, dating, uh, sex, music, the number one topic that teenagers want to talk about today is spirituality. That's the number one topic teenagers want to talk about today. What, What does that mean? What is that? It simply is God already at work in somebody's life. People understanding and realizing there's more to life than just this. We we are spirit beings and we are not going to be fully satisfied and fully complete just living life on earth, just dealing with material things. There is a part of us that was meant for something greater than all of this. That's simply what that means. And what God wants us to do is simply understand the process, cooperate with him and enjoy the ride because it is an amazing ride. And this is your destiny. God created you as a follower of Jesus Christ to fish. Followers fish. If you're not fishing, you're not following so let's talk about kind of how to fish because i know again many people like well well, you know can can you teach something else today i mean this is this is simple this is basic yeah it's so basic that many people don't do it i mean people always want to come to church and they want something deep they say well pastor give us something deep what they mean is give me something that's so confusing i don't understand it at all you know people want to leave church and say man i don't have any idea what he said but that was deep that's what people want Let me give you something deep real quick. Don't just learn the Bible, live the Bible. That's deep. That's deep. If somebody is drowning in their problems and drowning in their issues, they don't need to know the Greek word of a life raft. They just need you to throw them one. That's what God wants us to do. So let's let's look at this. 2 Timothy chapter 4. What is our responsibility? Preach the word. 
And I know people say, no, 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 that's your job. You're the preacher. No, no, no. It's all of us. All of our job is to preach the word. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Look at this. Work at telling others the good news. You need to work at this. It's not something that just comes natural. It's not, it's not a gifting. You can't just say, well, I don't have the gift of telling people the good news. It's not a gift. It's a command. It's a requirement. It's just a responsibility of those who follow Jesus. And you have to work at this. Work at telling others the good news. Fully carry out the ministry God has given you. And, I, and, and you know, all the time people say, well, I just don't know what God wants me to do with my life. Here it is. Plain and simple. Fish for people. That's what God... Well, no, I want something specific with my life. This is specific. Tell the people God's placed in your life about the good news. This is specific. This is what God wants you to do. And if you'll start here, it's amazing how much God will reveal to you about other things in your life. See, we want God to give us like step 10 when we're not even taking step one. If we would take step one, God would begin to eliminate the other or illuminate the other steps in our life. I mean, think about it. God has gone out of his way to put certain people in your life right around you. And he simply wants you to impact them for him. So let me give you four things, four things you can start today to learn how to fish for people. And let me just let me me say this, too, about evangelism. Evangelism is not being able to explain the whole Bible to somebody. And it's also not trying to convince them that your way is better than their way. Do you hear me? Evangelism is not trying to explain the whole Bible to people. Evangelism is not trying to convince people your way is better than their way is. Evangelism is being a witness, just telling people this is the good news. This is what God has done in my life. So the first thing you need to do in your notes, how do we do one person at a time? It's the title of today's message. Number one in your notes is become aware. Simply become aware. God has put people around. There are people you work with. There are people you you are neighbors with. You have family that don't yet know the good news of Jesus Christ. You have to become aware. God has an expectation in a plan for your life that you become aware of the people he's put you around. And, And let me tell you, the greatest church service you'll ever come to in your life, the greatest service of your life will be the service where you bring a friend who doesn't know Christ and they come and they become a follower of Christ because of your invitation. You'll never love church more than that Sunday. I'm just telling you, you will love church that Sunday when you bring somebody and they experience God and they make a decision to follow Christ. You'll love church and that'll be the greatest Sunday of your life. Become aware, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says, We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. God isn't making his appeal directly. God is making his appeal through us. We are God's plan A. There is not a plan B. You are Christ's ambassadors. God's plan for the people around you is to appeal to them through you. It's your job to appeal to them. And the second thing, we have to understand how this process works. We have to be aware of it. And then we have to understand how the process works. And what I want to do today is give you a scale of of how people move spiritually. It starts at negative six and it ends at positive four. And it's a scale of how the different steps people take spiritually. And your job is just to help people move one step. You're not trying to close the deal. You're not trying to get them from negative six to positive one. You're just trying to get them from negative six to negative five. That's it. Every single one of you can help people take one step. 
See, the, the reason this is so scary is we think God wants us to move them from negative six to positive four in a week. No, God just wants to help you to help him move somebody from negative six to negative five. And if you're dealing with somebody at negative five, then your job is to help them go from negative five to negative four. And you just play a part in the process of somebody's spiritual growth and development. So just help people take one step. Let me show you this scale in the Bible, before I give you the actual skill, first Corinthians three, verse six, my work was to plant the seed in your hearts and Apollos's work was to water it. But it was God, not us who made the garden grow in your hearts. Paul was saying, listen, some people water, some people plant, but it's God that causes the growth. You're just a part of the process. You're just supposed to cooperate with God and water and plant and help people take one step in their spiritual journey. So let me give you the scale uh, of, of people's spiritual journey. Negative six is what we call resistant. Resi- they're just resistant to God. They're resistant to the church. They're just resi- they, they just don't want anything to do with it. They are resistant. And most people are resistant because of hurt or because of fear. And, and, and more often than not, the hurt is from somebody in the church. They ran into a hypocrite. Somebody in the church failed them. A Christian did them wrong. And they're resistant because they were hurt in the church. I, I think of a guy in our church, Jason Layton. He came in two years ago at negative six. He was resistant. And he was hurt because of people in the church. I mean, people, he, he thought people in the church did him wrong. So he's hurt. He was resistant. He was angry. And it's taken him two years to get from negative six to positive four. He actually holds the record for leaving our church more than anyone he's left our church but he's come back he also holds the record for being a new church member so he's older act for leaving the church and being a new church member more than anyone here but it took time and our you know some of our elders man a lot of calluses on their knees over two years moving him through the process but it's amazing to see where he's at today but it was a process it was not an overnight transformation an overnight change you have to take people where they're at and move them to the next step negative five is receptive that's when they start becoming receptive. I told you a story a couple weeks ago of uh, the flight attendant that we met on our on our plane to London, and we met her. She was resistant. She was like, "I don't want anything to do with church. I don't like Christians. I'm not a church person." By the time we left her, she was at negative five, totally receptive. We hung out with her, we laughed, we had a good time, and she became receptive to Christians. But our job wasn't to get her from negative six to zero. We were just trying to get her to negative five, and that's what we did. We left her when, in a receptive state. Negative four is seeking seeking that that they're starting to ask questions they're starting to try to they're starting to wonder they're seeing something different in you they're seeing something that you have that they don't have and now they're starting to seek a little bit then you move them down to negative three which is considering and this is this is a really cool stage they're considering because they don't like where they're at that's why they're considering. They're starting to look at their life. They're doing some self-evaluation and, and they don't like it. They, they don't like where they're at. And this is why I never get nervous in the process because nothing in the world works. If they're not miserable yet, they will be because nothing in the world works. You can try everything this world has to offer. You'll never be satisfied. You'll never be happy. You'll never be fulfilled. And so this considering stage is cool. That's that's why you don't have to get in a hurry. 
Because they will end up at, all roads lead to misery. Everything this world has to offer leads to misery. I mean, it's empty, it's miserable, because we were created with this this hole inside of us that only God can fill. And you can try to fill that hole with drugs and sex and money and hobbies and pleasure, and that hole will never be satisfied because it was created for a God who is infinite. And until you fill it with God, you'll never be satisfied. So nothing in the world works. So you don't got to get nervous because, again, if they're not miserable yet, they will be. Uh, The next stage is negative two, understanding. Understanding. They're beginning to understand some simple concepts and some simple truths. They're, they're beginning to understand that God doesn't want to be their religion. God wants to be their dad. You know, they're starting to understand that God's building a family. It's not about a religion. It's not about a list of rules that God is this loving God that let his son die for them. They're starting to understand some concepts. Then you get down to negative one, which is ready. They're ready. This is the 34 million people the Gallup poll talked about who would go to church today if somebody simply invited them. They're ready. They're right there. They're primed. They're ready. They're waiting on one thing. They're waiting on an invitation. So I encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, just at, you know, at least once a year, just find somebody who's miserable and invite him to church. Let him experience the goodness of God and how awesome God is. Just, just at least once a year. Then zero is what we call new life in Christ. That's like the beginning line. That's like the starting point of following Jesus Christ. I'm making a decision to say yes. And let me give you the four steps after uh, finding Christ. Just for those of you that may not be experiencing these steps, you may be at zero but you haven't started taking the next steps in your life. Uh, Positive one is belonging. You belong to a local church, a healthy, a Bible-believing church. And we're not, there are some amazing churches in North County. There's some incredible churches in North County that I love. I love uh, a lot of the pastors in this area. And so our heart for you is you find a Bible-believing church. Uh, That's our heart for you. Now, we obviously think Coastline Church is one of those churches, but our heart for you is you just find an incredible, Incredible Bible-believing church in our community and belong. And not just be a part of the church. Find a small group in that church. See, the key is small groups. You need to be a part of a small body of believers, a band of brothers, a band of women, a band of married couples that, that you can do life with to really help you grow. Positive two is growing. Uh, that, that's beginning to grow. That's what our discover course is completely designed for, for people to learn how to grow in Christ, begin to discover who they are and grow into what God created them to be. Positive three is serving. And let me say this about uh, a serving. Most of what God has for you can never be realized until you get to this place. God can't really do things in your life until he gets you out of the bleachers and onto the field. Most of the stuff God wants to do in your life will happen as you serve. When you find your place in the body of Christ, that's why I encourage you. If if you haven't found your place on the dream team, join me tonight for dinner at five o'clock in our family center. We've got our discover 401 class, which is all designed on helping you find your place in the body. Where's the dream team you were created for? Because the majority of what God wants to do in your life, he just can't do until you find your place to serve. And then the last uh, step is positive four, which is sharing sharing you're now sharing the gospel with others you're now sharing the good news you're you're going after other people and telling them what god has done in your life and this is where it gets fun sam williams has an amazing quote he says evangelism is helping people discover how god is already at work in their lives 
That's all evangelism is. You're just helping people discover that God's already working inside of you. Evangelism is not, you know, theological debates. You will never logically prove God to anyone. Get them in God's presence. That's proof beyond any shadow of a doubt. That's why I just tell people, listen, I'm not going to debate with you. I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, come to church and, and, and tell me if you don't feel God. Tell me if you don't feel the presence of God, that God is alive and that God is real and that God is messing with you. Uh, God just wants to speak to you because that's what God is doing in people's life. So number one is be aware. Number two is commit to prayer. Commit to pray for the people that you're trying to reach. When you meet somebody at negative six and you're trying to get them to negative five, make sure you're praying for them. When you're working with someone at negative two and you're trying to get them to negative one, make sure you're praying. And the best way to pray for people is pray scripture over them. Uh, John 6.44 tells us to pray that God would draw them unto Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4.4 tells us to pray against the spirit that's blinding their minds. Romans 8.15 says pray that they'll come to know God relationally as father and as dad. Uh, uh, Matthew 9.38 says pray that believers will cross paths and enter into positive relationships. Pray that, you know, if you have a lost son away from home, pray that God sends people to intersect their path. Ephesians 1.17, pray for a revelation of who Jesus is and what he has done for them because that'll change him forever. So number one, be aware. Number two, commit to prayer. Number three, show you care. I don't know those rhyme, but that's like kind of a preacher disease that we have where we make everything rhyme, but show you care. People don't care how much you know. They want to know that you care about them. St. Francis of Assisi said, we will preach the gospel to the entire world and we'll use words if we have to. See, it's our actions, it's our love, it's our service that speaks so much louder than the actual words that we say. I remember a number of years ago in Los Angeles when I was a pastor uh, working in the inner city of Los Angeles. We were out on the, the, the streets just feeding people and, you know, in some of the real lower income communities of Los Angeles, the ghettos and the projects. And we're feeding people. And this Muslim lady came up to the, to the food truck one day and she said, what are you guys doing? We said, we're just giving out food to bless people. She said, where are you from? We said, we're from, you know, the church down the street. She said, oh, I can't get any food. And we said, well, why can't you get any food? She goes, because I'm a Muslim and you wouldn't give food to Muslims. You're Christians. And I said, you've missed the point. You, you're totally misunderstanding. We Christians love you. We, we have a heart for you. We want to help you. We want to serve you. We want to take as much food as you want. Is there anything else you need? We had a team take food back to our apartment and kind of assess the situation, did other things for it. And we literally loved her into the body of Christ. But it was because we showed her that we cared. We didn't just preach to her and say, you need to repent and, and, and renounce your religion and come to Christ if you want to get food. No, we showed her that we cared. We lo- I remember one Saturday morning on the streets of Los Angeles, we were just picking up trash in the community. And this little, you know, beautiful Korean lady came outside and she didn't speak really good English. And we're just picking up trash in her front yard. And she looked at us and she goes, you're preaching. And we're like, no, 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 that's tomorrow. That's Sunday. This is, you know, we're just picking up trash today. She goes, no, 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 you're preaching. We're like, no, 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 if you want preaching, that's tomorrow. That's church. Today we're just picking. She goes, no, you're preaching. What are you talking about? She goes, when you pick up the trash in our community, that's the loudest sermon you'll ever preach to the people out here. See, it's about us showing that we care. That's what Luke 19, I'll put it in your notes. I I don't have time to read it, but basically Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I just want to come hang out with you and have lunch with you today. 
And it was Jesus caring for this guy that changed his life. Jesus didn't say, you know, you need to repent before I come to your house. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I just want to come hang out with you. Can we have lunch? Can we just spend some time together? And as a result of Jesus showing him that he cared, his life was changed. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 19. Though I am free, Paul says, and I belong to no man. I make myself a slave to everyone. Why? So that I can win as many people as possible. I love this. He goes, I've become all things to all men so that by all possible means, by Saturday morning surfing small groups, by Monday night football small groups, by board games small groups, by serving people and helping people and loving people, by all possible means I might save some. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. And the last thing I want to share is, one, you got to be aware. Two, you commit to prayer. You want to do it with the power of prayer. You can't do this in your own effort or energy. Three, you got to show people that you care. And then if you'll do those three things, I guarantee the fourth one is coming. I guarantee if you do the first three, the fourth one is going to come and it's simply be ready to share. You're going to get an opportunity to share Christ with people. You're going to get an opportunity to share the good news. And let me say this. If you struggle with telling people about Jesus or sharing Jesus with people, share your church with them. You know, if you don't know what to say, just invite him to church. Let him come and experience the family of God. Let him come and experience the love. Uh, That's why I I, I love our church. I'm so proud of our church because people, new people come here every week and they tell me how love they feel. Because you go out of your way, even though you, you may not be on the dream team this weekend, you go out of the way to make sure new people feel loved and feel welcome and experience the, the family of God through his hands and feet. Not just, to, you know, they feel the presence of God when they come here. We pray every Saturday morning that the presence of God will be here and people will feel the presence of God. But they also feel God's hands and feet, which is us. And so I just authorize you. If you see somebody today, you don't know. May, may, let them know how glad you are to see them. Let them know. Just ask them, how long have you been coming? Oh, your first time. We just want to make you feel welcome. We just want to let you know that we love you and we're glad you're here and glad you, you came to visit our family today. So I authorize all of you just to make people feel loved. So that if you don't know how to share Jesus, you can at least share your church and they can come here and experience God. First Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And we have an amazing hope. We got an incredible hope. Uh, Acts 20, 24, I'll close with this. The most important thing is that I complete my mission. I mean, isn't that the truth for all of us? Isn't that the truth that the most important thing for your life is you complete the mission God gave you on earth? That's the most important thing. Complete the mission God's given you. The work that the Lord Jesus gave me. Is there anything more important than the work Jesus gave you? Jesus gave you an assignment. He gave you work. He gave you mission to reconcile a lost world to him. And here he goes, the the work the Lord Jesus gave me to tell people the good news about God's grace. And the thing I love about our Bible is it's good news. 
It's good. It's not me. It's not bad news. It's not, you, you know, God hates you and God's just waiting to catch you doing something wrong. And God wants to beat you up. No, no, it's God loves you. He doesn't want to be your religion. He wants to be your dad. He loves you so much that he sacrificed his own son's life for you in exchange for you. I mean, tell me one person in your life that loves you that much. One person that sacrificed flesh and blood on your behalf. Is there anyone in your life that loves you that much? I mean, so why do we think God is this distant being just waiting to catch us doing something wrong? He's like this cosmic cop waiting to catch us speeding. It's not him at all. It's not at all what the Bible teaches or says. That's religion. We have good news about God's grace. That it's not about you. It's not about your performance. It's not about your behavior. It's not about how good you are. It's not about how many commandments you obey. It's all about what Jesus Christ did in place of you. And that's, that's, that's the good news. See, the thing that many people don't realize is two substitutions occurred when Jesus died. Two substitutions occurred. The first substitution is you were guilty, you deserve to be punished, and God substituted his son in your place. So Jesus was punished in place of you. But you were the guilty one. God should have been coming down on you, but instead he substituted his son Jesus in your place. So Jesus got all the punishment you deserved. But there was a second substitution that happened. Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus earned all these incredible rewards from the life he lived. And guess what God did? God substituted you in his place. So all of the rewards that Jesus earned by the perfect life he lived, God now gives them to you. He substituted. You didn't earn him. You didn't deserve him. But God substitutes you in Jesus' place. So now God treats you the way Jesus deserved to be treated. And God treated Jesus the way you deserve to be treated. That's good news. Is there any better news than that? That's why I love sharing it with people. Because it's not hard, bad, mean. It's that God substituted his son for you and substituted you for his son. God's not this mean God trying to... God wants to bless you, to love you, to, to, to do amazing things in your life. All you have to do is surrender. So would you close your eyes for just a moment? Before we leave, I just want to ask anyone here today that may be at that negative one stage, you're ready. You're ready and you want to move down to zero today. Zero is just new life in Christ. You just want to make that decision today. I need to move down to zero. I'm ready, but I'm still not there yet. And I need to make a decision today to to take that next step and truly surrender my life to Christ. To give it all to him. Because it has to be a complete substitution. You can't substitute part of your life. You've got to give it all so that he can give you his all. So to say yes to him really is, is saying that I surrender. I'm laying it all down. And so if you're here today and you need to make that decision, I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to say anything out loud. This is a moment between you and God. I just want a simple chance to pray with you. And you don't even need to say this prayer out loud. You can say it in your heart and God will hear you. But if you're here today and you need to join me in that prayer of moving from negative one to zero and starting that new life in Christ and just surrendering yourself to God and just asking him to forgive you and give you the second chance in life. Or maybe you're, you're in a situation where you just need to come home today. You're just away from God and you need to come back home. 
So if you're in either one of those categories, with every eye closed, would you just slip up your hand and say, I'd like to join you in that prayer today. Just slip up your hand with nobody looking around. Thank you, 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 thank you. It's an incredible response today. The prayer is simple. The first part of the prayer is surrender. Say, God, I surrender to you today. And I make you my Lord and Savior. Would you just say that in your own words? God, I surrender to you today. I make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. The second part of that prayer is, God, will you forgive me? Every single one of us have made mistakes. I don't deserve to be here today. I've done so many things in my past that I am completely ashamed about. If you knew my past, you'd be shocked that they let me be a pastor. I'm here today because we serve a God that doesn't count our past against us. We serve a God that doesn't hold our sin against us. We serve a God that gives us a zero balance. So if you will ask this question to God this morning, he will absolutely say yes. Will you say, God, will you forgive me completely? And then the last part of the prayer is I just want to encourage you to tell God thank you. Thank you for letting his son die on your behalf so that you could have this new life. Just just in your own words, just say, God, I just want to say thank you to you today. You can look up here. If you prayed that prayer with me to this morning, and I want to encourage you to take one more step on your own. On the connection card, there's two boxes. One says I'm committing my life to Christ. One says I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. If you made either decision today, I want to encourage you to check that and turn it in. We want to know who you are so that we can pray for you. We want to you know, provide some support and some resources to you in this journey. But there's also books outside that say, now what? It's a great question. I, I made a decision to surrender my life to God today. Now what? These books are free. They're outside. They're really short. It'll walk you through the next steps. Uh, We also have Bibles outside. If you don't have a hard copy of the Bible, we would be so honored if you would take a Bible today. We love to give Bibles away. This book will change your life. And they're all free. You can take as many as you need. So if you don't have a hard copy of the Bible, please take one of these today. Would you stand with me? Don't forget our Mexico small group and the ornaments outside. Let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this series, Change Your World, God. Because we know you're not asking us to change the world. You're just asking us to change our world. And our job is not to try to get somebody from negative six to zero. We're just trying to get them from negative six to negative five or negative four to negative three or zero to positive one. We're just trying to help people, God, take one step to cooperate with you and be part of the process. So let us begin to see people differently. Let us just begin to help people take that next step. It's not our job to close the deal, Lord. We're just, we're just there to help them in their journey, to partner with you, Lord. So take this fear of evangelism away from us. And let us just, just begin to love the people you've placed us around. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Have a wonderful week, everyone.